wellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab. Welcome to A Quirky Journey. Join us as we share our family's journeys to good health. You'll find plenty of inspiration, tips and recipe ideas, as well as stories from everyday people who've struggled and overcome health problems and diet challenges in their own families. I'm Jo Witten, and I have with me my co-host, Fuad Kassab. Hi, Fuad. Hi. Hello, Jo. How are you? I'm good. And today we're going to have a chat to Melissa Steinwald, who is the author of The Keep In Mind Project. Hi, Melissa. Good morning. Good morning. We're going Thank you to, so much for having oh, me. We're excited to hear your story. It's fascinating. Um, I know that a lot of you were interested in um, the last podcast we had with Kelly Brogan, Dr. Kelly Brogan, on depression and natural methods of healing. So um, today we're sort of taking it a step further and listening into Melissa's story, which is, yeah, very fascinating. I'll just give you a little bit. I'll just bit. have to uh, go in a little bit here and let people know that when Joe discovered Melissa's uh, website, I started getting bombarded by links and like extreme excitement and read this, read uh, this. Yeah. Have you read this? You've got to, you've got to read that. Look what you say. Have you read it yet? Yeah. So <laughs> I was like, Joe, please. I, I can only read at a certain pace. I don't. Like, she was reading three blog posts You're at the same time. I, I didn't even understand how she was doing it. <laughs> so Joe is very very excited to have you here, and so am I, Melissa. Oh, thank you. It's an absolute honor. So, um, I love the work that you guys are doing. It's oh, it's a fantastic how you're just empowering all of us out here um, just to strive for better and um, thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you. Had you heard our podcast before I contacted you? Yes, yes, oh. I had. Um, and I found you just by Googling, you know, grain-free yep. cake or, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Chocolate. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Um, yeah, so can't believe I'm. Yeah, yeah. Um, by the way, everybody, excuse my voice. I'm still a bit croaky from the Mind Forum. I think I talk too much. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> All right. Let me just give a little bit of an intro to Melissa for those of you who have no idea who Melissa is. You soon will. Okay. So I found Melissa's blog a few weeks ago. Um, someone shared a link on Facebook to her story and. You know, as you do, you just go, oh, that's interesting, clicked on it, and I was absolutely um, mesmerized by her story. It was awful and amazing and wonderful and gut-wrenching and inspirational all in one, and um, I commented on her blog and said, thank you so much for sharing the story. You know, I think that this will help a lot of people, and she got in contact with me. So we ended up talking on the phone for ages, and um, yeah, we just felt like kindred spirits, didn't we, Melissa? <laughs> yes, we did. Absolutely. So much in common. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah. um, so I said to her, would you be willing to share your story on the podcast? And she's a bit nervous about it, but we're telling her that we're all very nice people. So <laughs> <laughs> Don't judge me. <laughs> so um, as you all probably know, working through depression and anxiety naturally is something that I'm really interested in because of our own experiences with Isaac and my other son, Simeon. And also just because I get so many questions from people and emails from from readers and messages um, with kids or parents struggling with depression and anxiety and it's just become such a major issue in our society. And um, some have had to go on to medication, some are trying to work through it naturally. 
Um, but really the, the thing that I think I really just want to bring out the most is that there's so much that you can work through naturally and that's what Kelly really made us aware of in her interview and also at the Mind Forum. Um, and I just read one of her articles this morning, actually, four things that you really need to look into before you go on to medication or if you're already on it, four things that you need to just work through. And it's all very simple, natural things that can make such a big difference. Um, so um, there is things that you can do. And I would really love for Melissa to share with us what she's learned along the way. So maybe, Melissa, you could just start a little bit about um, telling us about your blog and why you started it. Yeah, um, I guess the reason I, I started it was um, I know how desperately alone you can feel when you're going through these these sorts of journeys. It's extremely isolating when you, you know, you can't leave the house, you can't leave your bed and friends and family don't have a clue what's going on and it's not their fault. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have had a clue either. If you asked me, you know, 15 years ago before this hit my life, mm. I would have said some pretty dumb things to people too because I didn't get it. And so it's very isolating and so I just wanted to kind of create a place where maybe um, we could connect with each other and um, someone might just feel a little bit of support. I didn't anticipate, you know, I just thought maybe one person might read it. Mm-hmm. And um, another part of me um, starting the blog was one of the things that kept me alive, to be honest, or kept me trying each day and keep pushing through was I just, regardless how unwell I was, I always had a belief that there's purpose and regardless of what I was going through in the hell, um, I just had this little, you know, ingling light that kept going saying there is purpose in the pain and quite often I'd get to the point of wanting to quit and then I'd think, no, I'm going to miss out on finding the purpose in this and that's not fair. I've worked too hard to miss out on that. So, uh, yeah, I just really... um, it was a, a way to go, yeah, okay, um, to create something that gave purpose to the hell, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So that's what made me start. That's good. How long ago did you start the blog? Um, I think it might have been about February this yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. Early this year, yeah. There's just so many great articles on there. I just Once I started reading, I just wanted to read them all. <laughs> You're a very good <laughs> So you'll have to tell us about your next project too at the end, so don't forget that. Oh, okay, yes. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been a beautiful um, experience. I was a little bit frightened to start, you know, when you've been hidden away for so long too, you haven't been out in the community, you haven't really felt like you've been very productive apart from surviving. Yeah. It's frightening to put yourself out there and to kind of, creep back out into the world but to be honest it's been a beautiful thing and so those of you are out there who are thinking you know it's all over and you can never um start associating again or getting out there it's it's a beautiful thing and there's some wonderful people out there who do actually want to support you so yeah that's good, that's good. did yeah. you have any questions about that for um, no, I'm just looking forward to hearing a bit more about Melissa's story and where she's come from and what drove her, uh, you know, and all the things that I've read. I, I would love uh, for her to share that. So, Melissa, I'd, I'd love for you to tell our audience about all the things that you went through. Yeah, how it all began. 
Okay. All right. Well, I'll try to make it as quick as I can. Um, no, no need. You can no t- take a bit of time. You can okay. get into some detail. Okay. We'll interrupt um, if we have questions. <laughs> okay. All right. That's perfect. Um, all right. So I guess um, my journey or this past journey um, started 14 years ago. Um, it was after the birth of my last beautiful little baby. Um, uh, he was about three months old and I just began to feel exhausted and um I felt this extreme tiredness that I'd never felt before and you know it was more than just that I've got a newborn baby kind of tiredness I I knew what that felt like this you know this was my third child this is my fifth pregnancy and so I just knew something had shifted and I was different and uh, I was highly irritable and just unable to cope with things that I'd normally breeze through and uh, I, I was an emotional mess and um, just not coping like I normally would. And um, my poor husband didn't know what to do with me and, you know, my family was starting to notice and, you know, I was just not myself. And so um, hubby took me off to the GP, um, where else do you go, Um so I was a GP that I'd been seeing for 10 years um, and not that we saw him often. I was extremely healthy and really had no need for any um, any medicine or anything before that except for having babies, really. Um, so anyway, um, off to the GP and after about a 15-minute chat, uh, he was sure and diagnosed me with postnatal depression. Uh, he told me I had a chemical imbalance in my brain Um You know, how he knew this, I have no idea because there was no tests, there was no physical examinations or, you know, he made no inquiries into hormone levels, nutrition, sleep or any other part of my general health. Mm. Um, He just, you know, after 15 minutes said to me, come on, Melissa, you know, if you want to be a good mum, you're going to have to take antidepressants. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's a heavy (laughs) statement, isn't it? And, um you know, I didn't know anything about mental illness. I didn't know anything about um, antidepressants. And But what, what shook me and broke my heart a little was he said to me, you know, you'll have to stop breastfeeding to take these antidepressants. And I adored breastfeeding. And I, I, I adored just being a mum. It was really what I felt I was called to do. Um, so I said, okay, I need to get my head around this. And I went home and um, there was no way I could take these medication with, you know, and breastfeed and it devastated me. And, um, yeah, so um, I guess in the end, um, that you know, that my energy was – I was not getting any better and my doctor, you know, again said to me, you know, Melissa, you have to do this for your family. Um, and, you know, I trusted my doctor. Um, I trusted he would never recommend anything that would bring me harm and he offered me no other alternatives. This was the only, you know, option for me. Um and, you know, my children were my world. So, yes, I wanted to be a good mum, so I took the drugs. And um, the medication, you know, it did not improve my exhaustion or my mental state. Um, so back to the doctor, he increased my dose. Still there was no um, positive results, so he increased my dose again. And, you know, my mood did improve a little, um, but then what happened next, you know, I could never have imagined. Um, I never imagined that my choice to follow doctor's orders um, would result in just such heartbreak and chaos. Um, 
So what happened was um, I had what doctors refer to as a manic episode. Um, I started behaving extremely out of character, like I'm talking, you know, crazy lady stuff you see on movies. Um, it, it, you know, it was it was horrific, and um, I was erratic. I was angry. I had uncontrollable agitation. I morphed into someone else and um, sometimes that would lead into complete psychosis. Um, when I was manic, I didn't need sleep. Um, sometimes I'd go for five days without needing any sleep and I was not tired. Um, I was amped and I was looking for adventure in some really inappropriate ways. Um, and then from this mania, then I would crash into a deep depression where all I could think about was how, how I could die. I could not get those thoughts no matter how hard I tried. I tried, you know, prayer and positive thinking and but there was this constant thought of wanting to die and I would actually see um, opportunities everywhere of how I could do that and, you know, um, it, it, it was it was horrible. Um, and this was not... This was not me. This was not who I ever had. I'd never felt this way. I'd never thought about death. You know, I was a vibrant dance teacher. I was a lover of life. Um, this was extremely um, Out of character. a huge, yeah. And um, so anyway, I got to the point where each day I, I didn't know, my family didn't know what it would bring. I couldn't control this cycle. It just cycled up and down and, and all over the place. So in despair... Um, hubby took me back to the doctor and um, told him what was happening and that, you know, I was behaving really erratic. And so then he diagnosed me with bipolar disorder. Mm. So apparently now I didn't have postnatal depression after all. Now I had a genetic illness, um, bipolar. And I was told, um, you know, there was no cure and then I'd be on medication for the rest of my life. Um, so then I was referred then on to a psychiatrist um, who gave me a mix of drugs to try it. Um, and the side effects were horrific of the medication. I became a zombie. Um, Did you find you know, that my- calmed down your anger and manic episodes but made you really zombie-like? Is that what you mean? Yeah. So what happens, you know, if you're um, – if you're in a psychosis, you know, and if you take an antipsychotic medication, it, it it certainly knocks that out. It knocks everything out. It knocks all joy. So now you're not only manic and crazy, but you you, you can't feel joy. You couldn't. I could intellectually tell myself this should be a nice day. I'm having a nice time. I'm with, but to feel it was impossible. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, my kids would have to shake me in the mornings to try and wake me, and they were little then, and um, sometimes they couldn't. Yeah. If you was your husband going to work at this time, and you were at home with the kids, or? yeah. I mean, this went. This wasn't a month, two months. This was years. Yeah. So someone has to pay the bills, and um, husbands have to go to work, and and somehow, you know, these poor mums out there who are in my situation have to try and survive and the children have to try and survive and it's something that's not really talked about much but my kids couldn't wake me some mornings and they would miss school um and you know I've had times where they've they've actually put me back to bed and said mum it's okay we've got this sorted we know don't answer the door don't you know Mm. and um you know it was a tough time but 
Yeah, the medication just, you know, the effects of the meds, I was never informed about, um, you know, my bowels shut down, you know, just physical things that happen to you. Um, yeah. I had tremors. Um, you know, my body bloated with fluid. I was just puffy. My mum used to say to me, you're just changing. Like, you look different. And um, I craved carbohydrates. Um, I couldn't sleep. So um, I'd started the drugs and now I couldn't sleep. So sometimes they can create other disorders. Um, so then I needed more drugs to help me sleep. Um, but then once you are asleep, you can't wake. Um so there was no way I could have had a job or work. I, I was barely able to just, you know, do basic functioning. Um, you know, how I drove the kids around and the amount of car accidents we almost had from my muddled thinking where I would get confused at traffic lights and, um, you know, it, it was impossible to maintain any friendships. Um, so, uh, you know, we were completely isolated and wow. very alone. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a mess. So... Um, did your parents, I was whether your parents close by at the time, were they helping out a bit or? Yeah, they, you know, they tried. My mum's not well, so it was hard for her. Um, they did everything they could. They were, but they were baffled. And even my mum says now, I just didn't know and mm. and I didn't know what to do. And, and then I would be so erratic. My husband would say, don't visit her. But yet, you know, and, I, and that's something that needs to be talked about too when family needs to just go tough because I'm coming. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, because the mind tells you I can't cope, I don't want anyone here, but sometimes you need someone to just open the door, say, right, okay, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm walking you outside and you're going to sit in the sun today. Yeah. Um, so in hindsight, you know, my parents, they did the best they could. We all were doing the best they could. Um, but, yeah, it, it was a lonely time. Um Yes, it kind of breaks my heart just to even think back yeah. on what what our poor little family went through. But, um, you know, what's worse is that none of the medications actually helped my initial symptoms. Mm. Um, instead, now I had a whole bunch more. And my doctor's answer to, you know, why the drugs weren't helping me was that, oh, Melissa, you have treatment-resistant uh, depression. Yeah. Um, and and so he said, you know, uh, you're going to have to have ECT, which is electroconvulsive therapy. Um, you know, uh, he said to me, you know, um, it's really your only option. Um, and it, let me tell you, it's horrible. Um, I hated it. I straight away get a sick feeling in the pit of my stomach just thinking about it. But um, yes, yeah, so I had close to fifty of those over the wow. years, um, and I, I was I was still sick. Um, and, and I would I would often challenge my psychiatrist. You know, now my psychiatrist was a lovely man, and sometimes because I was so isolated, he was kind of my only social, and he was my only connection with the outside world because you know I would be driven to the side. Um, so he was a lovely man, and I believe he wanted me to be well, and he was doing the best with yeah. his information that he had. You know, but. Um, yeah, I, I would challenge him and, you know, um, because I'd tried every class of psychiatric medication. I'd done antidepressants, antipsychotics, mood stabilizers, the benzos, um, and I never got any better. Um, so he just said, you know, you're treatment resistant. And so basically it was my body's fault that the treatment wasn't working and he never once questioned his treatment or his diagnosis. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, I I knew in my heart that something wasn't right. I, I knew 
this wasn't the answer. Um, but I didn't know where to turn. I had no idea and um, and little amount of energy and, and brain function, to be honest. And so I tried my best and with my poor little fried brain, I um, began to research just a little bit and looking for alternatives and, um, you know, I would print this research out and I would take it to my psych and what about this and what about amino acids and uh, he would laugh and he'd scoff and he'd say, Melissa, that's just quackery. Um, So, yeah, so then uh, that went on forever and um, so in 2013, um, I found myself on a cocktail of five different medications but was still extremely ill. Um, my psych wanted to add one more to the mix called Symbolta. And I can't explain it to you, um, but my spirit knew that I wasn't to take this medication. And I just had this inner voice saying, no, Melissa. And every week he would tell me, Melissa, you have to start taking this drug. You're sick. You have to, you know, you're not getting better. And every week I would say no, and he was very annoyed with me. And, you know, I stood up to him for as long as I I tried to and went on for weeks, actually over a month, and I was really sick. Um, And eventually he wore me down stupidly. I took the Cymbalta, and within weeks it sent me into a mania again where I didn't sleep for a week this time. And I was doing all sorts of crazy things like I was just, painting crazy paintings all night and then I would um I wanted to party and then I, I went and sanded 50 square meters of wooden floor on my own with a hand sander one night like I was amped and um yeah it was crazy um so yeah um but then it, it went from just me having all this energy and not needing to sleep and all these ideas and uh, then it went into psychosis and it became life-threatening and it was dangerous and that's when I said, enough. And uh, I said, you know, you know, I wanted to get off the drugs. Um, I, I just, you know, it was breaking point. I mean, I'd been at breaking point for years but this was it. You know, when your husband has to hold you down from trying to run and lay on a road. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I got to the point I didn't care who agreed with me. Um, I wanted out, you know. Um, I wanted off this medication train. And, um, you know, I'd done everything to a T to what the doctors had told me for 12 years. I gave it a good go. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just getting sicker and sicker and I, I couldn't live that way anymore. You know, death was this constant thought mm-hmm. Um and, and I just wanted to escape the pain. You know, I didn't want to die. That's the funny thing. You're thinking about death, but I had a beautiful life outside of my illness. I just couldn't get to that life. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I, it wasn't that I wanted to die. I just couldn't live like that. Um, and I had to start listening to that inner voice. And so I told my psychiatrist my plan to get off meds. And surprise, surprise, uh, he was against it. Uh, you know, um, my husband and parents, you know, they too were frightened at the thought, but they knew how sick I was and, and they, they were afraid. And, um, and you know, here I want to make it really clear that um, I was in no way flippant about this decision to come off medication. I knew that coming off these meds was going to be tough. It was potentially very dangerous. And so I made sure that I did it under full medical supervision. I did it very slowly. I did it cautiously, slowly weaning one drug at a time. Um, it took me five months 
to get off all the medication and, you know, let me tell you, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Um, it, it really was hell. Um, for months, yeah, I suffered um, there was, uh, nausea, I'd spontaneous, spontaneously just vomit. I'd be driving the car and with no warning I would just vomit. Oh. Um, it, it was horrible. Um, I had diarrhoea for months. I had abscess-like acne, nightmares. Um, I had hallucinations. Oh, gosh, it goes on and on. Dizziness, heart palpitations. Um, yeah, and a constant thought during this time of suicide, constant. It was just lingering over me all the time and I had irritation. I was hospitalised um, twice, um, yeah, during this um, five-month withdrawal period. And that was really tough because none of the staff, none of the nurses or doctors approved of what I was doing, nor did they support it. Um, they were very encouraging that if I just start taking the meds, everything would go back to normal, what mm -hmm. they call normal. Um, I didn't want that normal anymore. I was done. Yeah, so I'd been completely drug-free for about two months um, and still in really chronic withdrawal. And, yeah, I was I was so sick and this was a concern to my doctor. Um, you know, I, he really did care about me but limited with what resources he had to offer me. And um, so he ended up giving me a bit of an ultimatum, um, three options. Um, I could start back on the medication or I could be admitted involuntarily um, into a public hospital. Um, you see, psychiatrists have the power to involuntarily admit you into a hospital, into a locked ward, wow. and if this happens, um, that means they can medicate you against your will. Wow. Um, so then my third option he gave me was more ECT treatments, and, you know, um, none of these options were ideal for me or I wanted any of them. Um, it was picking, you know the lesser of three evils and um, there was no way after all that hard work that I was going back on medication, you know, after seven months of gruelling fighting. Um, so uh, I agreed to more ECT treatments. So I was booked in to have 12 treatments. So that's 12. Um, they do that over a month. Um, you have three treatments a week. So that's 12 general anaesthetics and 12 grand mal seizures I would be given in a month. Um you know, and that's a lot when your body's already yeah. so weak and functioning at a very minimal level. And, you know, my body was so tired. Um, anyway, I started treatments and after my fourth treatment, um, I woke up with a nurse beside me and she was telling me, um, you know, Melissa, we're going to transfer you to the medical ward because um, we're really concerned that you've had a mild stroke during this treatment. Um, wow. Your seizure went seizure went too long, and they had trouble stopping it. Um, my blood pressure had dropped dangerously low, so they were sending me to the medical ward to monitor me, so that they get my blood pressure back up, so that I'd be ready for my next treatment in two days. <laughs> that's just that's just mental. Um, excuse the pun. Uh, yes, yeah, so uh, I was laying there and I couldn't walk. I could barely talk a mumble if anything and I was terrified you know I, I, listening to what she was telling me I, I, I was afraid for my life and um, petrified but fortunately hooray um, my dad came and he rescued me and he discharged me from hospital um, he had to sign a waiver that he was taking me against medical advice 
Um, and we left the hospital that day and um, <sighs> it's been a huge slog, a massive slog since then. But, you know, the fabulous news is that I'm still here and I'm flourishing and I'm super excited and I just want um, – those listening out there to know regardless of what your situation with you're still on the meds or trying to get off or whatever that there is always hope and and you know I did it so can you whatever the challenge is and I'm really excited because I just recently had my um two-year anniversary of being drug-free so I've got my mind back and I can't tell you how wonderful it feels to start to feel like me again after so long yeah so that's kind of it (laughs) <laughs> all the such a big story with the um, yeah. the way that you were thinking during the time you were on medication and the way that you're thinking now. What would the difference be in your mind? Okay, yeah. Well, you know, I've uh, I've always been grown up with a great surrounding of positive. You know, I was taught positive affirmations as a child. I I even while I was sick, I was always educating myself and, and reading about how to cope with anxiety and how to cope with depression and, you know, just things that you could do, um, you know, cognitive behavioural therapy. Mm. But what I found when I was so drugged, I couldn't implement those things. Mm. And and no matter how hard I tried, um, I had no power. And now, of course, you know, I've got a lot of habit um habits to break after being in that world for so long and so so I'll still get the anxiety and I'll still feel you know panic and things come upon me but now I've got power over my mind and so I've got power to think things through and to say no hang on Melissa you know that's not the that's not the truth you know the facts might be saying one thing but the truth is no you're stronger and you can do this and so that was a big difference that I found wow oh Melissa what a story uh, I was a sculptor. Wow. Uh, so um, during the journey of getting off the meds, um, were there any other changes, lifestyle changes that you made? Uh, did you uh, work at, on your sleep or being in nature or your the way that you ate? Was there any complimentary thing or did you just simply getting off the meds restore you back to being normal? No, yeah, it's not that simple, unfortunately. Um, so... What's amazing is once you start listening to that inner voice and start stepping out, even little tiny steps, you find that doors open. Mm -hmm. And I left that hospital that day and we had no idea where to turn. Like I was sick. We didn't know whether we needed to get, you know, a nurse to come in every day to look after me. What would we do? And, um, you know, because I was still sick. I left that hospital but I was ill. And so, you know, we looked into all these different treatment plans. And, and let me tell you, if someone's promising a treatment that they're going to cure you in a month, then yeah, it's not they're, they're telling fibs, okay? <laughs> um, so we looked, you know, there was places that we could go and spend $40,000 for a month and we would have done it, you know. we were. But I just kept listening to that voice and saying, you know, okay, where am I supposed to go? And um, because my brain wasn't working, so I had to listen to my spirit. And anyway, I found myself, I went to a place called Living Valley and I went there for um, a week and whilst, you know, they didn't make me better, it opened doors and eventually I um, got led, you know, just by constantly opening doors and following, you know, where I felt I should go, I found this amazing doctor and um, 
that didn't happen so quick. Like I ended up, I was always researching and I actually sent an email over to America to a, a Dr. Hyla Katz, who's this really well-known person and I never expected to hear back from her, but she emailed me back and she helped me find a doctor also here in Australia. So um, you've just got to ask and, mm. and, you know, and you'd be surprised who's willing to actually help you. And so the first thing that I changed was um, uh, I went on the GAPS diet. And um, because uh, you can't do everything at once and my body was so sick and um, so I started from scratch on that, like in the very, you know, the introduction diet um, on the broth and, wow, it made me sick. <laughs> and, um, I, yeah, I was, oh, I was just passing out. I was, you know, um, stuff that was coming out of me was not nice and, um yeah, so I started with the GAPS diet and um, did you have just help with that? Pardon? Did you have help with that, like a GAPS practitioner helping you? or you uh, Not a GAPS practitioner, but this doctor I found, okay. he's the one who actually said to me, um, unless you do this, I can't really help you. Wow. And he said, yeah, he said, unless you, we've got to start there and that's the only start there and then we can move on to other things but until you heal your gut until you start to heal your body um we can't move on so he was really firm about that and I was like I'll try and he was like it's going to be tough and I was like are you kidding (laughs) 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 I'll just Um, mention here too for people that are thinking of trying the GAPS diet for major detoxing you do have to go very slowly at first if you're in a situation like Melissa was because it can be you can t- detox too fast and it can be too much for your body to handle. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. go slow. 100%. Like as in slow yeah. as in one drop of broth at first. <laughs> That's well, I, 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 didn't think, I thought it was a bit of a joke because he's sort of saying to me this can be really powerful and I was like, how can it's, you know, have it's broth be powerful? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. thought, I thought it was a bit, you know, I was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Wow, I didn't. I guess when you're so critically ill, that's you know, it. maybe if a, a semi healthy person, but when you are in a state of, you know, such well, unwellness, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, he was he was amazing actually. When I went to him and told him my story, and I said I actually took a list of the drugs I'd just come off, mm. and I gave them to him, and I said, oh, here's a list of the medications you know I've come off, and he was like, oh, this is what you're taking, and I said, no, 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 I've come off them, and he just looked at me and said, how did you do that? And he said, this is worse than coming off heroin. This is, you know, amazing. Dr. Brogan was saying that um, they're the most addictive drugs that she's aware of. Yeah, much more so than heroin. That's right. And where's the support, you know, if I went, if I was coming off heroin and went to a detox centre, you know, the support there is, you know, no turning back, no, you know. Um, And yet when I went to detox off my psychiatric medication I was being told every day Melissa just take the meds and this will go away you know that there's not that same support but yet we're going you know we're going through the same you know withdrawals but the support is not there at all Mm. yeah so um yeah so he I told him my story and he actually this was quite healing for me he sat there and said to me Melissa on behalf of them all of my medical colleagues I I I, I want to apologise, and um, it was quite a beautiful moment. But, um, yeah, so from there um, I, I was – the first changes I noticed um, and I was sleep when I started the GAPS diet and, and started going to that, I was so excited because 
I went to bed and I laid down and I went to sleep. Yeah. And then, and then the sun came out and I woke up and it was amazing. You know, someone just yeah. said that on my um, my gut health program group, the private group. She's just started GAPS. She hasn't slept well for years. She said, I never sleep through the night. Within four days, she was sleeping through the night. How is it possible? Like, it still blows know. my mind. It blows my it, mind too. She just can't believe it. Same thing. She's like, I wake up and it's like the sun's out. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I can give I, you a, a little hint there what happens. So, uh, yes. You know how like, we work on, uh, like, say, the circadian rhythm. So our body knows it's daytime because of the blue light. And um, so if, if we have too much blue light exposure at night, our sleep is disrupted. And that's why crazy people like me wear like blue blocker glasses at night so that we don't actually experience that. Um, but um, what happens uh, is not all our organs actually work on this kind of stimulus. So, for instance, our pancreas knows that it's uh, daytime uh, due to the presence of carbohydrates in our diet. So if, uh, if for instance, we eat carbohydrates late at night, our pancreas uh, will still think that it's daytime. So part of our body is still thinking that it's daytime. So we get this kind of really problematic sleep issue. But on gas, because it's like, especially the introdu- introductory phase, it is like zero calm. So... Um, your whole body clock starts resetting itself. And, uh, of course, you know, after that, all the detoxification and taking off all the crap that your body has to deal with and giving it a bit of a break so it can actually sleep and heal rather than sort of fight off inflammation and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that's a really interesting thing, like um, how our bodies, like different organs, respond to different stimuli. And, um, yeah, I, I think I've had the same thing when I've started eating a lower-carb diet my sleep improved just dramatically. And then if you eat carbohydrates at night, then you feel <laughs> sleep disruption because your body's still partial. You think that it's still daytime. So really, carbs should be early in the day then. Yeah, for sure. It's amazing. Yeah, it was it, – uh, we were so excited. Like, my kids were excited. You know, <laughs> people on the outside would have thought, mm, what's the big deal? But it, it was such a joy for them that I would be up before them in the mornings and I'd be, like, you know, having breakfast with my family. And it was – it really was a joy for us, yeah. So um, the next thing I noticed, and sorry to be gross, but we all do it, um, <laughs> was I, I could poo. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a I major mean, need in our lives. <laughs> I know, you know, and that you know that can make you really sick. When I was on the meds, I was lucky to go twice a week, and um, you know, uh, psychiatric medications they cause havoc on you know um, your whole metabolism and digestive system, and um, yeah, so that was that was amazing to just to go every day was. You know, again, an amazing um, observation that things were happening, things were changing in my body, and I was becoming, you know, healthier. And uh, yeah, so you know, it was just a, you know, it doesn't happen fast. You've got to realize this is not going to be a quick fix, but you will get these little rewards along the way, um, and that are going to go. Okay, I'm going to keep going because this is good. Pardon? It gives you some hope. You know, you're making progress. Yeah, yeah, and hope's, you know, hope's something you really kind of, it's hard to hold on to when, um, you know, when when your doctor's sitting there going, 
you know what, you've tried it all. We're really running out of options for you. And he he used to be frustrated as well, going, well, you've tried every drug. Um, let's give this another go. And um, so hope is something you lose. And um, hope was something I started to gain back once I started to, you know, on the gaps and um, then I introduced, you know, some supplements. And I think it's really important when you're going through such, um, you know, climbing out of a health crisis is – to do it slow and yeah. not introduce 5,000 things at once. You know, we could all just go and go, well, I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to go to the chiropractor and I'm going to start the gaps diet and I'm going to start meditation I'm going to start, you know, whatever. And, yeah, and then you don't, how do you know which one was really yeah. working for you? Yeah. So um, starting supplements, um, amino acids was the first thing that I introduced and I did that slowly so I could find out, you know, what really helped me, what made me tired, what picked me up. And it was just a really slow, um, slow, yeah, frustrating process but so worth it. Mm. And, yeah. I, and so your doctor helped you figure out what supplements you needed and stuff? Yeah, I, you know, I think um, finding the right support, finding the right doctor is is um, <sighs> amazing. Like we were so sceptical when we turned up to this guy. My dad came with me. My dad came in and he was sort of saying, you know, all these hopeful things and my dad said, listen, buddy, you know, mm-hmm. we've heard it all before. Yeah. And what changed in our thinking is um, – we went to the health practitioner want, knowing what we wanted and this was a total shift for me. I went in there and I said to him, I, I was already researched on amino acids and um, NAC and because I'd been to my psych about the use of NAC for bipolar, which is N-acylcysteine. Um, there's studies being done at Deakin University using it for bipolar, but anyway, that wasn't enough for my psych. But um, so I went in there and I said, "This is what I want to try. This is where I want to go, and this is how I want to do it. Are you willing to support me in that?" Mm-hmm. Um, and we knew that if he wasn't, we were going to keep going, and we would find someone who would. Yeah. And fortunately, we hit the jackpot, and he was yeah right on board. Uh, just on that, uh, Joe and I have uh, finished uh, a huge weekend at the Mind Forum this weekend, and um, they have actually on their website a list of practitioners that um, deal with holistic health, and it's quite a comprehensive list, so if anyone is looking at finding a local practitioner, I think uh, it's mind.org, so M-I-N-D-D.org, and uh, you'll be able to go there and look for a practitioner in your area that might be able to help you you go through this journey as well if you if you need it. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's brilliant because, you know, you don't know where to go. And... Well, these yeah. are, yeah, definitely people who, who have been involved in this kind of world for a while and uh, they have all the right ideas and uh, they've supported a lot of people through their health journeys. So definitely uh, worth looking into into that list if you're dealing with these issues or if you know someone who's dealing with them. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah, so well, kind of where I'm at now with my health is um, my mental health is just absolutely fantastic and um, so I'm head in leaps and bounds and it's just a beautiful thing. Um, so what's what happened, though, is um, after I started getting quite well and um, still suffering a fair bit, but I felt like maybe the next choice for me would be to do introduce exercise. Mm-hmm. And um, 
So I slowly introduced exercise um, and I was finding I would exercise and then I would be in bed. That would be all I would do that day. But I really knew that there was great evidence um, exercise, you know, for mental health, you know, it's better than antidepressants. It actually has a better um, or just as good as um, clinical studies come up with just as good a result. So, um, What kind of exercise were you doing at first? So I started, um, yes, I mean, very simple to start with. Um, but then I increased it and then, you know, the 80s dance teacher, you know, and the dance chick came into me like, you know, no pain, no gain. So I went really hard and um, went. I went too hard and um, I ended up collapsing and I was in bed, couldn't move for a month. Yeah. And wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, with that one. Yeah. So I got really sick and... It wasn't um, a foreign feeling for me. It was feelings that I, I have actually had for a very long time, that kind of exhaustion, and I would have that exhaustion after I worked out. I would have that exhaustion for a day or two. Um, but after I actually took up this 30-day challenge where you had to exercise hard every day, and after that, yeah, I, had, I, I was in bed. Um, and I was actually working with a um, – with a lady, a trainer who specialises in people with mental health. And so she was waiting for me to get that kick and to have that turnaround. And she was like, you know, this should be happening for you by now. And it just wasn't happening. Like my mental health was good, but physically she was like, you should not be going home to bed all day. You should not be in bed for two days after working out. And she actually got me thinking and said, Melissa, I think there's something else going on here. This is more than just – this isn't just mental health. So she really encouraged me to um, do some investigations and um, then I was told um, – I was sent to a chronic fatigue specialist and he said, you know, I have no doubt you have chronic fatigue and you've probably had it for a very long time. And I doubt – you know, I doubt – and uh, I had a couple of doctors say, you know, I doubt – you ever had bipolar um it sounds more like you've had chronic fatigue and if anything you've just been suffering a chronic adverse drug reaction um so to hear that was pretty crippling um and yeah so kind of now i'm on the journey of of um kind of overcoming um the chronic fatigue, but so I'm not. I was told then no working out, Melissa. You are not allowed to work out. You are not allowed to exercise. And I was just like, oh, I was just starting to feel. You know, I forgot how much I love to move my body, and I was really missing it. So I came up with something new, um, so I didn't feel so sorry for myself. And instead of doing workouts, I now do work-ins, <laughs> and. Um, so um, I'll quite often say, you know, to my family, have you done a work-in today? And um, so to feel like I was still um, physically moving and so now I've incorporated, you know, restorative exercise, so things that will restore my health and restore my body so that one day I can do a workout again, but for now it's just work-ins. <laughs> so what kind of things do you do? Um <clears throat> Yeah, so depending on my health on the day, um, I always try to implement something. So it could be doing an extremely gentle um, Pilates class, um, extremely gentle um, restorative yoga class, stretching, um, you know, meditation, mindfulness, that's doing a work in. Um, I think, you know, if you're a creative person, um, artwork can be, you know, a beautiful mindfulness um, 
way to just to restore yourself and to feel like you are actually being productive because sometimes we feel like we're making progress if we're doing things and if you can't go for a run um you know you can do a work in and you can be you know um you know just working on um just restoring yourself yeah yeah (laughs) Melissa I saw that uh graphic that you had on the website uh, which is a very cool graphic I loved it oh thank you Uh, yeah so I think that's a (laughs) really nice summary of all the things that people can do to sort of uh, get their whole life uh, you know all balanced out and um if, uh, if you guys haven't seen it, go to keepinmindproject.com and you'll be able to see all the uh, lovely things that are in Melissa's head and life at the moment. So it's, uh, it's really answer? cool. Did you draw Pardon? that? Did you draw that? Yes, yourself? yes, yes, yes. That was my concept, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess that, that kind of image, um, I started to discover because, see, I was always waiting for... Um, the answer, and I thought it was going to be one, <laughs> and I was waiting for you know for God to give me this amazing miracle where I'd be like bang and I'd be well, or the doctor would give me the drug and I'd be well, and my husband would help me, and I wanted everyone to help me, and I became, you know, why isn't everyone helping me find this the answer? And so that imagery uh, came from me discovering that it's not one thing, um, it's everything, and so true. It's doing. Yeah, it's doing your daily work-ins. It's, you know, it's your nutrition. It's having the right support. It's, um, you know, doing something you love, you know, involving creativity into your life. It's, you know, it's not one thing. It's it's moving your body and, you know, all of those things put together. That's what wellness looks like really, yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. It's really good. So, Melissa, how's, how's your family doing at the moment since uh, you've put them through 12 years of, of all that? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, what a journey. Um, you know, uh, one day I um, had a really selfish moment, and this is probably not really good mothering, but and I said to um, one of my boys, um, you know, I kind of, I don't know what I wanted to hear, but I said to one of them, you know, if you could change anything about mummy, you know, what would it be? This was a while ago and I was still sick. Um, you know, what would it be? And um, he said to me, well, I know probably the right answer is I'm supposed to say that you don't have bipolar, which I still thought I had then, and that you've never been sick. But if that didn't happen, we wouldn't be who we are and we're different to other families and we have something that they don't and maybe we wouldn't have it if we didn't go through this. And this was great insight. I don't know. He was maybe 12 at the time. And so how is my family there? You know, we're all the richer for it. Yeah. And um, they have they have an empathy and insight that they would never have otherwise. And I still I wish... I didn't have to happen and I still grieve those years, those beautiful years with my mm. boys and the things that we did miss out on and lose. But I just can't allow myself to go into that place of of too deep into grief and anger because it's not yes. healthy and we've lost well, it's enough. It's already time. happened, so it's not like you can go back there and change it anyway. So exactly. you know, you found you found the right path now, and it's working for you. And luckily, you're you know you've had that amazing support from everyone around you. You know, like when you mentioned how your dad just went into the hospital and basically yeah. took you out. You know, like that. How important is that to have someone in your life that was able to be strong enough for you and to trust? enough that you'll be okay and did that for you you know against 
all the medical um, advice that was being given at the time. So, you know, it's yeah. such a such a powerful story, Melissa, and um, and it really does give hope. And uh, Joe and I also agree with you because her and I have spoken about this so many times. Like, we wouldn't be talking to you now had it not been for our own health health misadventures as well you know and all the yeah. things that have gone wrong for us you know that we wouldn't be here today and we're very grateful to be here so um you you bringing up you said, how many children do you have now um i have three three teenage boys boys wow yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right so you re- recovered just in time I, I I just love that article you have on your blog um, that you wrote for Mother's Day. That was just beautiful about the way that your boys support you and love you and um, how they've been through so much. Um, Do you want to just mention a little bit about that quickly? Yeah, well, you know, no one one asks, you know, when you've got mums who are sick, no matter what the sickness really, whether it be mental illness or whatever kind of illness, um, they're the unsung heroes, these these kids. You know, they're the ones who are the carers Mm. and they didn't have a choice. You know, they're not not a spouse that can walk out. They're not a friend who can stop visiting. They're there whether they like it or not and they are quite often the carers for their their parents, for their mums, you know, and they're the ones who go, they go without a lot and, um, and no one really acknowledges that and talks about it. So that's why for Mother's Day um, I just wanted to acknowledge them and just how amazing they are and, um, you know, the hearts that they've come out of it. I think I mentioned to you, Joe, a little story about one of my boys. Um, we were down at the local shop and the lady serving us was being, yeah, she was being a cow, that's the truth of it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and I, you know, bad mummy and I leant over to my little boy at the time and I said oh my gosh you know like what a cow what's this woman's problem (laughs) and he pulled me pulled me down and whispered in my ear and said mummy we don't know her story and you know would he have had that insight had he not been what he threw with what he'd been through so they're coming out as these radiant beautiful yeah they're just going to be beautiful adults aren't they yeah, they are. They really are. You know, they're teenage boys, so we still have our moments. But <laughs> but I think they're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. And I think that's the message I want people to know when they're – if those of you that are in that moment of crisis right now where you're just thinking, oh, there's no way we're going to recover, my family's going to be damaged, you know, you're going to be okay. You'll be surprised how resilient these kids are and how clever they are and – that there's going to be purpose for them as well, that this is not going to be a waste. Those years aren't wasted in that, you know, in that trial. It's, there's going to be purpose to it. So, And, I mean, my marriage, how my marriage survived. Yeah, I actually wondered just, that. <laughs> do you know what? I'll tell you something really beautiful, and that is um, we found out oh, ages ago that apparently um, 94% of um, marriages with a bipolar spouse fail. That's a big statistic, 94%. And I would be psychotic, I would be crazy, I would be yelling abuse at my husband and um, and he used to turn around to me. Now, he's a big Polish man-man mm-hmm. and uh, he used to turn around to me and say, 6%, Melissa, 6%, and that's all he would say to me oh. and walk away or whatever. And basically he was 
you know, saying to me, nah, we're not going to be that the statistic. We're not going to be what's considered the norm. We are that 6%. And I think, you know, I used to say to him, oh, I just need a more sensitive man who's just going to, you know, understand and what have you. And um, he said, no, 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 you need a strong one because a sensitive man would have been long gone. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, so we survived and we're the 6% and, wow, that's a miracle in itself. Yeah, so. Beautiful story. Yeah. Isn't it? So, Melissa, what's your mission now? What are you doing? Tell us what what you're thinking about in terms of the future. Yeah, well, I guess, um, as I said earlier, once you kind of step out and, and follow you know that inner voice things will just happen and doors will just open and it's like me being on this podcast my goodness you know I could (laughs) barely string a word together 12 months ago you know um but you just be true to what you feel you know you're called to do and doors will open and then it takes all the stress out of it as well you don't have to make things happen and um so at the moment I'm just kind of still following that heart and um for years I've been wanting to write a book and um and just kind of I've always, you know, I found bits of paper from when I was in hospital and all these little bits of paper and pieces of my journey. Lucky I did have those pieces of paper because, trust me, after nearly 50 ECT treatments, well, um, <laughs> memories of it impaired. Yeah, and um, so anyway, I kept saying to my husband, you know, I'd really like to write a book and about 12 months ago um, before I really even had this realisation about the misdiagnosis and chronic fatigue, I said to him, you know, I'd still really like to write a book but I don't have, you know, I don't have my ending yet. I'm still waiting for my miracle wham, bam, this is the answer, you know. And um, You're he said to that me, one thing. Yeah, the one thing. I still hadn't got the whole – I still hadn't grasped it's not one thing, it's everything. Mm. And um, But he said something really powerful to me and he said, Melissa, maybe you're missing it. Maybe you're missing the whole point of what a miracle is and what true healing is. And he said, you know, maybe what you're supposed to write about and maybe the miracle of this story is how you can be joyful and how you can live a life regardless of not getting, you know, that that miracle. It's, it's about, you know – talking about how you can live today even when everything's not perfect and how you can survive and how you can have a good marriage and you can still raise great kids even when it's imperfect. So um, that was really powerful and I was like, oh, okay, that's a total shift for me, you know. And so that – and you know what's amazing when I had that shift – I still didn't know about the misdiagnosis and what have you because a lot's happened in 12 months. Um, And I said, okay, I'm just going to start writing this and I'm just going to believe that, you know, um, I don't have to actually have that, you know, the happy ever after ending. But as I just stepped out, it seems that that has happened anyway and I have, you know, I'm still on a journey. Um, But, yeah, it's just sort of starting to make sense. And um, so, yes, I'm writing a book and... um, Yeah, it's been... um, How's it going? Yeah, well, actually, I've just... um, For Mother's Day, Day, my gorgeous kids uh, and hubby, they actually went and set a a caravan up at a beautiful beach near where we live, and they set the caravan up and said, okay, Mum, it's time, go and write. And so I've... 
Yeah, so I've been away for three weeks just writing and and swimming in the ocean and uh, being completely self-indulgent. The first probably week and a half actually was quite painful and I was hating it um, because I had to write about some really ugly things. And um, But I've kind of got through all that yuck now and so now I can start to write about the joy and the hope and the purpose. So, yeah, so it's coming along well. That's amazing. Um, Melissa, I'm, I'm really interested in one thing that you said um, earlier, like right at the start, you were talking about how like throughout all this there was just something inside you that just wasn't wasn't being affected almost by all this stuff, that you sort of knew that you'd get better or you had this kind of, you know, there was all this stuff happening. Like, And, and to me, like I find in most people that I meet, well, you know, even in my own experience, like even though there's always like, sometimes could be a, a whirlwind of thought and all these things happening that there's there's something inside that's just really peaceful and calm about it all mm-hmm. and I'm just really interested is is this place still with you now and is this the place that you feel that like you're coming from more and more or um or what what do you what are your feelings about that kind of voice inside you that sort of kept you going yeah I think the the um, clearer my thinking comes um the the more I can hear it mm-hmm. and um the more clarity I have for what to do with it, but I never signed up in my heart for what they were telling me I was. Mm. And although it was happening to me and I couldn't control it, in my heart I never signed up to say I'm accepting that is who I am. I'm not going to take on, I'm not going to live in that label of, okay, so now I'm bipolar and you know, that's completely who I am. And I just, in my heart, just knew I wasn't going to settle. And I didn't have any answers or any knowing how. But I guess also um, I truly believed that there was going to be um, purpose. And I don't know how else to expand on that, but I just knew somehow there would be a reason for this, that this was not, you know, that bad stuff doesn't happen, you know, um, for no reason, you know. It's called growing pains for a reason and you grow because things get better and you grow because, you know, something beautiful grows. And I guess even I can remember, you know, I can remember sitting in um, in group therapy and, you know, in the psych hospital and everyone was kind of talking about how horrible their life was and there was no hope. Trust me, psych hospitals are not full of places that are full of hope. And I remember sitting there thinking, you know, I'm probably the happiest depressed person here because I could, I could still recognise that my life was beautiful and I had this great husband and this great life and I could recognise all of that. For some reason I was waking up sad and for some reason my, my mind was being altered but I knew that wasn't who I am and I wasn't going to accept that that was who I am and I knew there was a great life. I just had to try and work out how I could get there. <laughs> yeah. Well. So did that answer your question? I'm not sure if that answered your question. (laughs) Well, yeah, I think, you know, um, this is something that I I wanted you to touch on because I feel that that place is in all of us. And uh, sometimes it goes unrecognized. And I'm hoping that the audience that are listening, if if they don't feel it, maybe they should just take a moment to sort of be quiet and look for that place because it is inside us. That, that kind of internal voice that, that is okay. 
there's a part of us that is okay throughout this. And, um, you know, even if the mind is just going crazy and uh, the whole world is falling apart, there's that voice. And, you know, this is what I loved about hearing your story is it kind of reinforced that feeling that I have that all of us are centered in peace somehow and that life happens and all these things will come at us. But uh, inside us, there's this voice that sort of knows a little bit better, you know, that sort of keeps us going. That's, and uh, the more in touch we are with that voice, the more healing comes to us. So, um, yeah, that did answer my question. <laughs> yeah, because we're so more, than, we're more than just a bunch of flesh, aren't we? We're not just walking around bones and, you know, with blood pumping. There's something in us that's more, and I believe in a spirit. And, um, and you know, we just got to start listening to that. We all have it. You're right. We all have it. And it's nurturing that. Yeah. So this is, yeah, I just wanted the listeners to sort of uh, look for that place inside them, that place will give them yeah. courage and hope and peace. And uh, if they're going through this kind of difficult situation that you're going through, that same place will help them as well. So that that was just um, you know, what I was hoping for. Uh, and yeah, I loved hearing that, that that was part of your story as well. Um, yeah. So... Um, yeah, that, that's that's really it for me. I, I just don't even know what to say anymore. It was such an amazing <laughs> story, story to hear from you. And, and uh, I feel really grateful to have had you on the podcast with us and uh, for our listeners to hear what you had to say and, um, you know, to see that your journey had so much beauty in it despite all the pain, you know. So yeah. really, I'm so happy for you that you're here now doing what you do and feeling Thank the way you. that you do. So, yeah, yeah. really great stuff. Really looking forward to Thanks. that book. Josie, you have more questions for me. Oh, no, I think, I, think I think we've talked about most things, but I'm really looking forward to that book. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm working really no hard. No pressure. It's almost done. No pressure. <laughs> um, but it's beautiful that you could spend the time to, you know, be alone and write. That's so good. Um, oh, what a beautiful gift, oh, yeah. Beautiful. And for all of those of you listening, Pop over to Melissa's blog. So it's called. Um, what's the URL? Sorry. Uh, keep in mind. Keep in mind project dot com. Okay. Keep in mind project dot com. And um, yeah. have a read of Joe. some articles on there. Yes. Oh. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, I just wanted to mention that before we go, you have to talk about your gut healing program. I didn't want to. Yes. I get so caught up in the people that we're talking to, I forget about that. But yeah, um, exciting news for those of you who haven't heard, my gut health program is out and about. So <laughs> um, at the moment, there's an early bird price until June the 3rd. Um, and we're just finishing adding a few more things to it. But you can go ahead and get started. There's plenty of videos and um, lots of things to read and you can start working on some recipes and the last module that's coming soon is full of recipe ebooks and meal plans and things to help you with the GAPS intro diet and for those of you who are not doing GAPS but are just interested in um, eating healthier you can just take the ebooks and you know pick out things that you want to do and um, make your own meal plan with the blank meal planner and just get some ideas from it really. Um, but I just really wanted to help people who are on a healing journey and find the whole idea of cooking a bit overwhelming. Um, so simplifying it and helping people with that. So, yeah. 
So the the um, website is gaps.quirkycooking.com.au. You can have a look at that. And uh, another thing that I want to talk about is the cooking classes that Joe and I are doing in July. Yes. So on the 28th and 29th of July, uh, Joe's going to be visiting Sydney and we've booked the Sydney Seafood School for cooking classes and uh, we've already sold out the Friday night but we've got uh, some spots left on Thursday night and Friday for lunch and the cooking class isn't going to be like a normal cooking class where we're just going to show you some stuff and that's it. Uh, we will actually be demoing the dishes that we'll be cooking but then afterwards we'll break into groups and uh, Joe and I will go from one group to the other and we will talk to you and show you how to do these recipes and after that we're going to sit down and eat all the food that we made all of us together and chat about how to change this world for get a better place and so we can all have healthier children and healthier people all around and uh, how to look after all the people that we love that need this kind of uh, assistance in their life so we're going to be talking about paleo cooking and gaps and um, all sorts of whole foods issues and uh, we'd love to see you there so if you want to sign up go to quirkycooking.com.au slash shop and you'll be able to see the two classes are uh, still available for booking. Yeah. And uh, that's it from me. So I, I just wanted to thank Melissa before we go. And yeah. uh, really, really love this episode. Thank you so much, Melissa, for, for coming on to the show. Yes, I, I, it's been an absolute honor. And um, thank you for helping me find uh, and show the, the purpose. So thanks for being part of that. It's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you so much. And everyone, thank you for listening to A Quirky Journey. We hope you enjoyed it and are finding it encouraging and helpful. If you have questions or comments, you can post them um, on our Facebook pages. So I think you have a Facebook page, Melissa? Yes, I do. Keep in mind project, yes. And you can also obviously post on the wellness couch. There's You can post comments there or in my chat group. Um, and we've got a, there's a quirky gaps group if any of you are interested in gut healing diets. Um, and we'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And there's also lots more um, podcasts on, on our show that you might like to listen to if you haven't already. So thank you again, Melissa. We really appreciate you thank coming you. on. And we'll keep in touch and you can let us know when your book's ready and we'll get you back on and talk about that. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Thank you. Okay, thanks a lot, guys. See ya. Thanks, Melissa. Okay, bye. bye this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.